This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. The shark bait has such teeth there, and it shows them pearly white. Just a jackknife has old Maggie Heath, babe, and it keeps it up. Out of sight, you know when that shark bites. So welcome everybody to this latest edition of Macklin's Take. I'm Andy Clark and joining me as usual, Matt Macklin. And we are in Bonter's Cafe in Hanworth, I've discovered. I went to Hanwell uh, earlier today, which luckily is only about five miles away, so I could jump in an Uber and make it on time. But this is a boxing cafe. Uh, there's plenty of photos on the wall, Ricky Hatton, Joe Calzaghi and... Muhammad Ali, and a picture of the man that we are here to see today, Mr. Barry Jones, former colleague of mine on Box Nation. Very good fighter, now elite-level pundit. I've got two elite-level <laughs> pundits here with me, and Barry Jones and, uh, and Matt Macklin. Barry, good to see you. Yeah, no, thanks for, thanks for coming to see me. No no, nobody comes to see me, ever. <laughs> so it's nice to have... We're we friends now, can we be friends? We're friends. We definitely okay, can be. I'll take we, that. We've always have been. We've been friends for a long time, I'd like to think. <laughs> yes. And what we're going to talk about today, we want to get straight into it because um, I was late, so we can't hold Barry up for too long. But what we want to talk about today, what I thought would be interesting with you two, is that, as I mentioned, you were both boxers, and now you've stepped through the other side of the ropes to the media side of it. And I just wanted to see how you found that transition, what you enjoy about it, what you don't enjoy about it, how long it took you to adjust to it. And just what your thoughts are on the whole thing in general, because I'm a career journalist, so it's different for me. I knew what I was getting myself into, and I come from a different kind of, of background. But having been a participant to go from that, to go from being the one who's talked about to being the one who does the talking, not that many people can do it, firstly. And secondly, there are definitely frustrations uh, attached to it, I would, I would imagine. So, Matt, we're fairly, we're fairly familiar with, with your kind of segue from, from boxing into, into the media world. We'll touch on it still, though, but Barry, less so with yours, probably, because your, and yours was different, too, so just talk us yeah. through it. How did it, how did well, it happen? Mine was, it was an accident, because I had my last fight in January 2000, and I pretty much disappeared from the sport. Not that I was a prominent name or anything, but, yeah, I sort of stayed away, which I think you sort of have to, otherwise you want to come back. Boxing's addictive. And, yeah, it was just literally by chance. I mean, total fluke. Um, Box Nation had just started. I was doing a job. I was doing security for Britain's Got Talent, X Factors. I know you're looking at me thinking, how can a midget do security? But I was more of an usher. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> to be honest, I think my, my title was The Caretaker. Make, make me sound dangerous, like a movie. <laughs> but, yeah, and, and that was it. And then my, a friend of mine was a friend of Steve Bunce's, and he had... Um, the Bunce's boxing now, and at the time, he was literally getting so obscure fighters from the 90s, which what means that is he was getting anyone he didn't have to pay as a guest. And my friend was nagging me to come on the show, and I didn't want to do it, because you know, once you've had your little 15 minutes, however big that 15 minutes is, to go back into that and then go back to your normal life again, it's sort of 
destroys your soul. Do you know what I mean? Because like, like, I've been sort of like, I had my little 15 minutes of notoriety and then I had to go and get a job. And it's hard. You know, to, to adjust to a normal life of mediocrity in many ways, which is nothing wrong with that, but where you've had people calling your name, whether it's 500 or 5,000 or 50,000, it's still the buzz you can never replace. And you'll know that, Matthew, of course. But then to sort of put that behind you and then I even have like five minutes back on telly and, and, and go back to it, I thought I can't do that to myself. But I did. He nagged me, nagged me, and then Steve didn't care I was on the show, but a friend, of, and I went on the show, and I talk quite a lot, as you'll find out in, in this next four hours of this podcast. And, and then the producer, um, Jim Bentley, asked me to come back as a, as a pundit. And I came back as a pundit, and uh, yeah, enjoyed it. Did an okay job, not great, I don't think. Came back again for Nathan Cleverly versus defending his world title versus... Who cares who that was? It was one of those fights. And, and I thought that was me done. And then I got a shot, a shot at doing the punditry again for Ricky Burns in, in the April of, what's this, maybe 2012, 2013? Paulus Moses, the WBO lightweight title, turned up on the night in Glasgow to be a pundit, only to find out I was commentating. And I was like, what do you mean I'm commentating? Yeah, you're going to commentate with, with a fellow called Alex Steamer. I never met Alex Steamer before. He's a real good, good his job and a lovely guy. And I almost said no. And I was angry. Because I thought, well, what am I going to do now? This is, I can't just go and talk about I, Being a pundit is relatively simple because you just talk two minutes before a fight, maybe five minutes after a fight. You get time to digest it and you can think what you're going to say. And, but being a commentator, as you know, Matt, more than anything, especially when you're not trained for it, it's totally different and yeah and I did, did it that one night and I, I was wasn't terrible I don't think I think that's I wasn't terrible I wasn't good but I wasn't terrible and that that was that was the best thing that happened to me and I almost said no out of sort of like a, I don't need this I still had a job anyway it wasn't the money wasn't the factor for me it wasn't my full time job like it is now and I just went I'm not, I'm not doing it I'm not doing it and then I, I, I think I phoned my missus and she sort of said just have a go if you don't like it just don't come back again and I did, and yeah, and that probably gave me the career that I have now, or sort of career I have now. Yes. You're right, though. It, it is totally different commentating to to the pundit role, and I obviously I think that the commentary gig is the best one for for, for you lads. I'm I'm I do the blow by blow, and and you you do the analysis. And I always say to people who come into it afresh, I say, listen, if you if you, if you fancy the commentary side of it, let people know because it's the best gig. We get to talk about things and can I in stop more you? Can I stop I you. know what you're going to say. Right, stop telling boxers to yeah. be commentators <laughs> because everyone's a rival. You're not scared of competition. I'm not scared of Bar- competition. Barry Jones isn't scared of competition. No, I'm not scared of competition until like a big name turns up and then you're gone. But but the thing is, not everybody can do it. It's one of those skills where... More than ever before. Boxers now are more articulate than you've ever seen. They really are. I could, I could, list, I could list maybe five off the top of my head now who are still fighting, who I think would make... Obviously, easily, easily make good pundits, but I think would make good co-commentary. But it's not just about that, though, is it? You need to stay current and stay plugged into the scene and know, and know what's yeah. going on. Do, do some homework. That, that is important. Some people do it, some people don't do it. And I reckon I can spot the ones who do it and the ones who don't. Yeah, of course, and and also being a big name and being and be and being in big fights don't always make you. If anything, it can probably work against you because when you like, say Joe Calzaghe, what a fighter! I, I love Joe with all my heart, and he can be a good pundit. I think he'd be a terrible commentator because he would just be too critical. 
I know it's not sort of slagging Joe off, I don't mean that, but he would be too critical. Like, you were a fantastic fighter, but you sort of understood that you, 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 got up against, you went up against better fighters. Not massively better, but, you know, like Golovkin and Martinez are brilliant fighters. Who, so you understand you know, that little extra step, and you can, so you can understand. And now, this is, it's, it's more than just this, this, this. It's more than just that. It's not just a, like, I just turn up and do my job. You have to sort of break it down a little bit and, 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 and also be in awe of some of the beauty, like you did Lomachenko the other week. So you, as much as you're watching it and you have to do your job, you can't help but sit there thinking, oh, what's this, like? this is like the closest thing to porn without, without, the, without the porn, isn't it? You know, if you're a massive boxing fan. It, I've done Lomachenko's fights, you know, I've done lots of them, and I just, you just go and go, oh, I, well, I wouldn't give to be like this. I think... Um the punditry and the co-commentating roles are very different. And, yeah. I, and I, I got to see that. Um, during my career, I think I was being groomed by Sky. Sounds bad, doesn't it? Groomed. But I'd been <laughs> groomed by Sky to yeah, be... To, to be To be in there. <laughs> to be, you know, involved. After my career, I was... Whenever there was, um, you know, previewing shows, they'd bring me down, breaking up fights, the enjoyed my analysis they said I went to good detail and, and articulated it quite well so there was I got a couple of runs at doing the co-commentating the um, Amir Khan against Lamont Peterson in Washington oh, wow. DC I was over I was living in New York at the time I'd signed with the Bella after the Sturm fight and I was uh, I was you know going to be fighting Sergio Martinez in the March but this fight was before Christmas and they used me as one of the co-commentators alongside uh, Jim Watt and Ian Dark. Now, when they came to the Frotch Andre Ward fight, I was still there and they still used me for some of the build up, but they didn't want, they just said, look, you know, this fight would rather just keep it the two because three yeah. can get a bit crowded, especially on a big fight like that. You, you, can, you don't want to be talking over each other and that. So, you know, I, I had tasted it, I had touched on it, I'd, I'd uh, experienced it, but certainly sitting in the studio before or after, breaking a fight up, breaking it, giving my analysis afterwards. I found that so easy. You know, you just talk about what, how I think the fight's going to go and, and like you say, afterwards, he should have done this, he should have done that. This is where he goes from now, this type of thing. Very, very easy. But I did find the uh, co-commentating initially, and uh, probably about, what, two years ago now, started doing it yeah. quite regularly for Sky. Initially, and, and, and it didn't take me long, but for a few, I just thought, oh, this, this is a different skill. You know, you're, you're commentating as it's happening. You're trying to kind of predict where you see the fight going, what, the other guy needs to be doing what he needs to watch out yeah. for. Maybe what the cornerman should be saying to him. Then you've, you're trying to keep a track on who's winning the rounds. I mean, there's been, there's been times I've been ringing outside and I've had the earpiece come in, Ed Robinson saying, who do you give that round to? And I'm thinking, I've, I'm going to clue. I, don't, I, don't, I haven't don't, even listen, scored it. You're not on your own. I haven't own. even scored it. Be, be, I, I can't, because I can't when, keep going 10-10. Because once so, you digest about it, <laughs> once you digest that you have to, like I'm from a, a Cardiff, I've, I've lived up in sort of this area for, for 20 years now, but I'm a Cardiff boy and I haven't lost my accent one bit. So it's a fast accent. And also being a boxer, you mumble and just naturally mumble. And obviously with our noses, when you, you know, if you, if the air conditioning, well, if you you're know, in America. I've, I've been blessed with a Birmingham accent, so that's not, that's not high up on the, uh, most I only, br- only brought, accents. I only brought mine up so we could get to yours, really. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you have to slow down what you yeah. say and also project, like you guys, you commentators, Andy, you naturally project your voices. Like John Rawlin, he's so low without shouting, it's unbelievable. And we don't do that, we whisper. And the microphone's here. Rather than here, and all these things you'd have to learn, that no one really tells you. So you, you're thinking of all these things. So mine was, when I first started on Box Nation, was talk in slow motion. 
because that would be normal speed for everyone else on the planet. And I used to, and now I don't do that sometimes, so I do talk a few fa- fast or I'll skip out words because I want to try and get my point out so fast. And then you forget, the whole point was, you forget that you actually have to score that round. So you're thinking about what, you, what you're going to say and how you're going to say it, and then go, oh, shit, I don't know who won that round. I don't know, you're panicking. They're not... <laughs> And I used to panic about social media. About I probably probably going to get that at one point. I would have thought, but um, I just did that mumbling, fast talking thing right there. That's an example of how fucking stupid I am. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you, know, you you like you worried about what people are saying about you. So I've sort of gone off social media now. So it doesn't matter anymore. I don't care. But once you get over that, so you all these factors play on your mind. First, when you I've done it for like seven years now. But first, when you first started. You're so worried about everything else that you forget, just do your job. And then nothing matters. Hey. Hey, kids. Hey, everybody. Sitting here with a famous Slovenian philosopher. How are you doing, sir? I am uh, in hell, thank you. Are you uh, excited about something? I am excited about this latest uh, CIA-funded venture. A CIA venture? Yes. It's called the Desire and Capital Podcast. Oh, what is it about? I refuse your fascist question. Well, there you have it. Listen to the Desire and Capital Podcast, coming soon to a bourgeois platform near you. On your marks, get set, go! Interesting you said that there are all these little things that you need to learn and nobody really tells you. So what how much direction did you get, the pair of you, when you started doing it? Because I worked at Box Nation for a couple of years. I did, did quite a lot of work alongside. Yeah. And what I loved about that place was that it was just this, 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 men, this boxing mental asylum just run by the <laughs> lunatics. And it was so laid back. Jim Bentley, who was in charge of it, he was so laid back. Anything that I foresaw as any kind of potential problem, 10-second chat with Jim Bentley, and it's just like, well, of course it's not going to be a problem. It's going to be absolutely fine. It might still be a big problem. But in your head, it's just, it's nothing. Jim, Jim was... It was very easy come, easy go, wasn't it? Sky's a little bit different. But I do wonder sometimes whether, whether you get um, enough instruction because it's, yeah. it's something really, really new. No one's ever sat down with me. You sort of get help inadvertently, mind, but no one's ever sat down with me, whether I'd be in the studio with Steve Bunce and Steve Lillis or commentating with Alex or certainly with John Rawling or, or yourself, of course, or, or a few others. I've done it with over the past. No one's ever said try it this way try it that way because no, you turn up to work because we're all freelancers of course you turn up to work you're not going to talk me through it you do your job I do my job you, as far as you're concerned I know, you, know what, you think I know what I'm doing and I just presume you, I, know what, I know what you're doing so between us we've got two fellas don't know what the fuck they're doing hoping the other one knows what he's doing to cover, cover your ass and, and I think it's you know, but, but you have to learn on the job you, know, you have to learn on the job and if you don't know boxing and if then it doesn't matter how much people can tell you when to say something, how to say it, if you know how, how to project yourself. But if you don't actually know the sport, then all that's irrelevant. Yeah, I, th- I think, look, what you actually say, the content of what you say, no one, the reason why we're there is because of our experience, because of our careers and we, you know, our expert experience. Yeah, so we, we can break down the fight, we can predict how we think it's going to go and we can explain that to the layman and we can get more technical if we have to. But... Ultimately, we know what we're looking at. We can read a fight, and it's our job then to convey that to the viewer watching. But I suppose an area where you can be guided or you probably need a bit of help or advice is, as 
Barry said projecting, it's hitting the right energy levels and keeping it at that level or and, and relevant to the situation. So, you know, there's no point me getting overly excited. Oh my God, he's done, he's done him. And this is like some kid having a four rounder and it's an empty leisure centre fight. It means, you know, and, and there's no point then on the other end of the, the spectrum. There's no good, you know, Anthony Joshua Rui is going, yeah, he's quite a good shot there and I think he's hurt now. Maybe the ref should stop it. It's a bit, you know, it's a bit, you know, it's like you've got to hit, hit the right sort of volumes of energy. I've, I've sort of learned now that to shut up. If there's any sort of real sustained action, I'll just shut up. Even if I'm mid-sentence, because that's John's job. Yeah, absolutely. That's your job. You got You then. That's you got to go. Like the, the last round in Tyson Fury and and what on Deontay Wilder. But, but there will be times in the fight where your your, your oh, voice sure, is yeah. going to be elevated, and excited, also, and also when it happens when you're talking, you got to go. Oh, he's hurt him, and you'll get carried away. But I still try and think that's not my job because I can't. You just can't do it the way they, the way the way Andy could do it. The other guys, you just can't because we're not we're not that way, and they couldn't do what we do. They think they can. Shush, and and you know, this is you. <laughs> no, I agree with that because there, there does have to be a separation of roles. Uh, it doesn't matter if the boundaries are a bit bit blurred sometimes. If if you know it's all kicking off and it looks like the ref's going to stop it, I might be doing the blow by blow, and then you'll jump and say, "Oh, I think he's going to stop it, Andy." That kind of thing, absolutely fine because that's just passion uh, and it's informative. But they are they are two different they are two two different jobs. In terms of. You mentioned social media there, and we're not going to talk about that for, for, for yeah. too long because it's not as relevant as people might think it is. But one thing I don't hear you two do is ever really wheel out the, you don't know what you're talking about because you haven't boxed like. I, I don't now, believe that. But it's always there in your back pocket should you need it. And it's interesting yeah. to hear you say that you, 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 you don't believe in it. Because it is something that will really frustrate fans if they hear a former fighter say that. But I think what they don't quite appreciate sometimes is how frustrating it must be for you to, to have people question you when oh, crazy. your credentials are, are etched in stone. I mean, how do you find that? Not necessarily criticism of, of your style or anything like that, but if people say, ah, Macklin Jones, you know, what, what do they know? I mean, I don't know if I'd be able to handle that particularly well. I don't mind... I don't mind anyone's opinion as long as it's balanced. And, you know, people just dishing out shit because you saw the fight differently to how they did. Bearing in mind, I've fought for the world title three times and won whatever, yet this guy's sitting on his, in his chair just giving it loads. Then, you know, I find that, uh, you know, because I haven't seen the fight exactly how yeah. he's seen it. It's like, I feel like, mate, maybe you need to watch the fight again because, you know, not being funny. I'm, I've been in boxing since I was 10 years old and I guarantee you I've seen a lot more fights than you. My, my hat as well. I had no agenda in this fight. There's no bias. I don't care who wins. And I called it how I've seen it. And when, but what I find as well, and you get through the social media, people are just haters. Like I've, I remember clicking on this one because I kept seeing him thinking, who the fuck is this? You know, so I'm clicking <laughs> on his profile. And I went down. And it wasn't just me. He was just giving everyone shit. And I just thought, well, what do you, you know, say to I, that? I used to get more praise when I didn't work. So when I, when I do a job, like Mayweather fights, I used to get so much stick because you get all the Mayweather haters. Now, all you get is the immediate reactions at the worst because they're the ones you go, you're not watching the fucking fight, mate. You're on Twitter, mm. like slagging me off and, and like, you know, hoping I die rather than watching the fight. But the, and then in, in later on the, the next day, then you get normal treats, and not all of them are complimentary, of course, but I used to get more praise when I didn't work. When it was a Sky show, before you guys, of course. <laughs> no, but, but it wasn't even you. It wasn't even anything to do with the guys. It just 
You know, like when Paul Smith started, Paul Smith, good commentator, good guy, good boxer, he was just, wow, what's this guy? He's the best thing I've ever heard in my life. Same with Enzo Mack. Same with me when I first started. Same with you when you first started. And it plateaus out because you get used to your voice or they didn't like, or you, you disagree with their opinion or their mate got beat or their, or their son or whatever it is. You, know, you can't please everyone. You just do your job. But I, so I get more praise when Sky did the show. And I'd be, this is fucking brilliant. This is, I'm just waiting for Sky to phone me up now and they're going to offer me a job. Like, no, when I was with Box Nation, I thought it's inevitable because when they first went on Twitter, like, as far as I was concerned, this is the consensus of, of the audience. And it's not. Nowhere near, of course, but that's what I thought, first of all, because all the people I work with, but Twitter was God to them. That's what they, they vehicle their, their, their profile. But, and I didn't really use it for that way, just for a fun and a giggle, I thought it was. But, yeah, you just got to go. The worst thing for me is people, their friends and their family and their trainers, when, when they criticise me for what I've said, and I, when they call me bias, and I go, well, like you just said just now, as callous as it sounds, ultimately, I don't care who wins. I sort of, you, you kind of help a little bit, but I really don't really care because I don't mix with fighters purposely no more. I never mix with fighters when I box, as it goes, funny as it, as it turned out. But, I mean, since I've been doing this job, I stay away from boxers purposely because I don't want to be, I don't want to like them or dislike them because I don't want to be close to being biased. But when you get someone from their camp saying I'm biased and I go, well, the camp is more biased than you because it's your son or, it's your, or you're training him or whatever, you know, and you, you've just, all the good things I've said, you've just, Focused on the the bad thing on my scorecard. Like I, I think look, Anthony had the other week. I I thought he was tremendous. Yeah, but, but I didn't give him a round. You know, and, and he could have won a couple of rounds. I think someone else did, and I just that's why I saw it. And I, I actually wanted him to win. No, I, I did the same with Luke Campbell the other week. I, I do do the scoring for for Sky now if I'm not commentating. Yeah. And, and I thought Luke Campbell did really well, but I had it one nineteen one oh eight. Yeah, I gave him one round and yeah. two of the judges agreed with him people were saying to me afterwards oh, it's ridiculous it's this it's that yeah. I saw Luke the next week and, and, and I said to him I said, and he said oh the cards are terrible and I said well you're not going to like this much but that's how I had it I said you were competitive in every round but I couldn't give you any yeah. and that's just but the bias thing is, is that's the only thing for me that, that, that would ever wind me up that's the only thing that I would react to is the idea that, that, that yeah. I would be biased yeah, it, it I, just find, I find it really I, insulting I, I do too because I find because I literally call it as a seat um, I mean I don't even yeah. when I know the guys and in fact sometimes I find myself probably when I do like someone and I'm probably rooting for them I'm probably more critical of them because I'm conscious I'm probably overconscious oh, not to be biased you towards them. You're going to regret saying you know, that. So I've just got to try and stay, just be honest, yeah. call it as you see. And, and you might be wrong. And you might be wrong. But, you know, yeah, but, but, but I'm going to be right more times than I'm wrong. Yeah, of course you know, you're, yeah. So, And that's the way it's going to be. You're not going to get it perfect right. Hey everybody, this is Moto G Pete from the Nokomoto Motorcycle Podcast. Join us every week while we rate, review, ride, philosophize, and generally obsess over every single motorcycle make, model, and style that could possibly exist, plus news and racing. That's the Nokomoto Motorcycle Podcast from Moto One Podcast Network Studios. Every single time. And ultimately, if your boss is happy. That, that, no, like everyone else in life, you know, work. If your boss is happy, then that's all that matters. Like, we're all trying to make a living, you know. And yeah. you, you, you might, you guys might be millionaires. I don't know, but I'm not. I need to work, and and you know, and and I, and I don't. And no one's ever. I don't tow the company line. No, I would if I had to, to be honest. Now, if someone from BT said to me, "Listen, you got to start saying this," it would break my soul. But I'd have to. Cause I need to work. Well, but no, I, but as it goes, I, nobody's I ever. Honest, I can honestly say, Barry, that 
at Sky when we have the talent. Oh, we know every, about Sky, every propaganda single, city. Every single, <laughs> every single time we, we have a talent meeting at Sky, and, and he doesn't need to say it, but he does say it anyway. Yeah. Just always says, and by the way, don't be afraid to mention Anthony Yard or Tyson Fury or BT or yeah, whatever. Course, you know, yeah. Because this isn't this is the wider spectrum well, of boxing. Well, it's to, not be honest, to be honest, I think no, uh, uh, Sky is. But we know that, so we yeah. say, and we say that anyway. But just you know, what makes you laugh? Regardless of that, oh, of course, people on social media are going to say company man or toe in the corner. Oh, that's, 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 that's the thing is because Sky because Sky are top of the tree. Which they are. I'll get the sack for this now. But they are. They are. Because you've been wrong for so long. Then you know. you you have. And that's the way it is. You know. And so, you can. And you have a responsibility to be honest. Like and so the BT we're a big. But we're not Box Nation. No Box Nation. We just add that. We just add our own little. We do what we want. We say what we want. I said some horrendous things on Box Nation in the middle of the night, like that would get you sacked anywhere in any other company. About literally, I think I said something about. I had my hand up De La Hoya's shorts when I went to LA in the statue outside and something like that. I my hand up his shorts, but he loved it. And I was something like, I might be an Instagram model so I can meet De La Hoya. I said, this is some of the things you get away with, you know? <laughs> and, like, you couldn't say it anywhere else, you know? You just couldn't say it. But, like, and it was worse than that, but I, I, can't, I can't think of it now because I'm punch drunk. But, but, you get, but BT don't ever, no one ever pulls, like you guys, the people think they pull you, they don't, they don't. But, Ultimately, I would, you know, like anyone else, I need to earn a living. But luckily, as it goes, I've never been told, no, here's the agenda. I, had, I was with Frank Warren the other day, and he didn't like the commentary for the anti-ad fight. He thought it was terrible, like I think. He thought it was terrible, and, and just thought it was all just totally one way to um, Cobb 11, and he got no credit. Because the scorecard, more than the commentary, I think. And I, so that's, he just, I don't work for him. You know, obviously, you know, he's part of the thing. And, and I said, sorry, Frank, I saw you feel like that. He said, we're just trying to build something. I said, I understand that, but, you know, I just got to call how I see it. Exactly. And he, and he was fine with that. He said, I know and, that. And that's what you got to do. Yeah. You're, you're not, he's trying to build something. You're not trying to build yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. You're just commentating yeah. on the fight that but, you're watching. But, but you know, even him, and he really, he would live propaganda. Like, like Eddie Hume would, of course, just say whatever, or fight, it doesn't matter what, we don't care what, what the thing, as long as everyone's just building them up. He was like, no, I respect your, your opinion, but this is just how I've seen it. So, you know, you, you can't get a more, like, balanced you know, conversation. About, and he disagrees with it, but he still says, you know, that's what you've seen, it's fair enough. So all these people back home think that it's, um, not all these, but some of them think it's totally, like, you know, orchestrated the one way. But you also do get invested. When you're, there, when you're in a fight week, all week, like you guys are, then you, it's almost impossible not to get invested in that fight they're wanting to win. Especially like a big fight, like an AJ fight. Oh, can you not get on, all hyped up about it? You want him to win, don't you? Can't help it. Like, I'm in Vegas with Fury, and there's all this lunatics everywhere. You can't help but think, oh, it'd be great if he pulls this off. The Wilder fight, especially, you know, oh, what a fight. It would just be something great to be part of something great. So, you know, you're, you're bigging him up. That's your, your sort of your job. But when the, once the bell rings, then you have to be, you know, totally um, unemotional and score the wrong as you see it. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a perfect description, is that you have to talk up your own stuff. You know, if you're yeah. over there to, to, to call a fight, you have to you have to give people a reason to, to tune in. You don't have to go crazy on it and say it's gonna be the fight of the century, but you have to be positive about it. That's what yeah. that's what the network will want. But but as you say and I've I've freelanced for a long time now and I've worked for, for everyone who's shown boxing in the UK apart from ITV. And no one, promoter or or T V exec, has ever once tried to tell me what to say. But people have a they have a hard time with it. I, I remember Garcia Cheeseman at the start of the year. That was the first yeah, card I did as the scorer, as the Harold Leatherman, yeah. God rest his soul, role. 
and so calm, calm down. <laughs> yeah, listen to me now, Hannah Leatherman. <laughs> Maybe more, more chump jumper. And um, uh, it was an easy fight to score. It, yeah, Garcia won every round apart yeah. from one. I thought I had it one nineteen, one oh nine. So did two of the judges. Uh, very straightforward. But, but I got so much kudos for that. And the reason I did was because, oh, look at Andy Clark scoring yeah, against Ted against, Yeah, that's right. Oh, Adam John. Smith will sack you in the morning. You know, well, that was brave from Andy Clark. And you just think, are you serious? Like, I mean, how could you possibly engineer a Cheeseman win from watching that fight if, you, if you've got an ounce of credibility? But, but, uh, but ultimately, you know, best like for, and for you, you know, this has obviously been your career ambition, I, I would imagine. But for us... No, we were just boxers who thought... I know you might have been, been a little bit groomed towards it when you were at the end of your career, but I never thought I'd be anywhere near it. You always thought, oh, wouldn't it be nice because Sky were the only guys doing boxing, so it wouldn't be nice being on Sky doing that job. So what a great job that is, I bet. You know, I could go to the gym all day then and I could just, you know, I could go the, I'd join that Virgin gym down in Twickenham and I'd join it, which I did. Never used it, by the way. I used it, I, I guess I joined this Twickenham gym. It's like £80 a month right, in Twickenham Rugby Ground there. And, and I, I was there for about five years, like £80 a month. I only used it when I was getting my house rewired. It was like £500 a shower it cost me. That's why I worked it out, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> what a waste of money. I, I got no money, I'm skinned, like, literally. But yeah, you, know, that's what, and then you think that, but you don't, you don't really, there's no ambitions. Or, so to do that now, to be involved in the sport, as close as you can possibly be, without taking any punches, without having to get up in the morning and run and train, do all that shit that you forget about when you retire. You only remember the, the nights and the wins and the, and the pats on the back. You forget about all the shit in between. The frustrating, not getting, a, not getting no phone calls for fights, fights getting pulled out of the bed, no having no money. You forget about all that crap when all your mates go on all that you can't go because when you've got a fight or two, you can't afford it because you, know, you, you only get paid when you fight. And you know, you, my, my first fight, by the way, was £300. Cash. By the way, cash. Don't forget, cash is king. Yeah, and that. So you know, I'm just like thinking every day. I sort of go, I want a job. I moan and groan about it. now. I want more money and the rest of it. But oh, you're getting, yeah, paid, no, for I, do, you're getting I, paid for doing nothing. Let's I be love honest. it. Um, after I retired, obviously there was MGM, MTK. Loads of managers was over in America with Conlon. Um, I'd, I'd done bits with Sky as well. It was kind of per show type thing, you know, show by show basis. But then. Um, kind of having been burnt out with managing that many fighters and living out of a bag and travelling all over the place, coming back and getting the gig with Sky, getting the contract and probably going more from the punditry role into the co-commentator role than I'm, you know, very, very busy with them now. I actually really enjoy it. with the best seat in the house. I'm still very much immersed in boxing. I've yeah. got my love and passion back for it. Um, I'm immersed in it again but it doesn't take over my whole life where with MTK and managing 150 fighters, I didn't yeah, have a life course, outside yeah. of that. And uh, this, for me, I think the, the punditry, the particularly the co-commentary role, I think it's the, um, the most from the least. You know, you get, yeah, you're course. still very much involved. You know, it's, an, it's a nice gig. You, 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 you get to travel, you're, you're around the boxes, the, the fight game. And, but you still got your life. You can still have a life outside of it. Do you know what? I never wanted to be famous. It was never... That's, no, literally, my, my ring walks were crap. I didn't care about my music. I never, I never had... Like, my style wasn't really that, that effective but not pleasing to watch. So I never, I never had no aspirations of being this famous person. I just wanted to box. Even money wasn't a factor when I, when I was boxing. I've got to be honest with you. And so I never... So being a cool commentator is great because no one sees you. Except now, the more I do it, I don't want to be famous... But I get a little bit envious of people around me. 
Well, no, everyone knows, no one knows. I can literally walk around. I could walk around in my underpants and fight, and I know no one gave me a second look. The most I get is, I lived you against Pedro, and I go, I'm not fucking Barry McGuigan, mate. <laughs> 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 that's, that's, but, you know, I, and I quite like it, but you sort of think, you know, it's nice having people, like, you know, you have your little pats on the back, and people, oh, can I have a photograph? But it's, it's great. And I also understand the, the need to keep your profile high. But being out, out to the camera's view is never, there's never an ambition of mine. So this job, doing this, which is great, you still get enough... No, feel good factor about it without being hounded. Because I worked with David Hay the other week. I don't know David Hay from Adam. Like, you know, we work, we, the camera's got off, we don't speak, and he goes off on his way. But he's, first of all, I thought, how arrogant is he? Walking, I know, it's, you can record this, it's fine. How, how arrogant is he? He's walking around, people are going, David, David, David. And he's just not walking, he's walking past everyone, not having a photo with all of them. But it's like it all the time for him. That's why, and I can. So I sort of understand that was why. Would I want that? No, everywhere you go, I know you got to stop sometime, and he does sometimes. To be fair to him, like after the fight the other night, he stopped and he, and he stopped at one, and then he had like about well, fifty people come down, and then he had to, he was there, and he had to stop. So I can understand. And that's so, probably why he sometimes yeah, picks of course, yeah, when he, he walks past he, it. I ain't got ten minutes to sit here taking photos, and for stop for one, I've got to stop for the second, the third. Next thing's fifteen, ten minutes have gone, and I'm late for the meeting. I'm on my way to. But all the time, every time, wherever you go, you know, because he's transcended the sport because of that jungle program he did as well. So you know, he's not just boxing famous; he's famous, famous, and so it's all the time for him. I can imagine, you know, and so it's just ridiculous. And so I can, I sort of had a little bit of understanding of why he he, he does that, but also why people would just go, why people would say like, "Well, I can't believe you just how arrogant are you? Like, oh, like, like this has changed my kid's life having a photograph of you, and you can't even look at me." But no, he's learned over years, and I wouldn't want to be like that because I couldn't, I couldn't just pretend I didn't hear this kid calling my name. Or but then, or would I? Or even worse, I could do it. Imagine if I could after years of just uh, being mega famous, then doing that would that would just destroy me to, to be that way. But that, he has to be that way, otherwise he never. It would take him three hours just to go and have a shit. <laughs> Which actually a different podcast, but it takes me three hours to have a shit anyway because um, that's so what I three hours sounds about right. <laughs> That's what, I, that's what I read the boxing news. But, yeah, I mean, I, I understand what you're saying there because I used to work at TalkSport a while ago and... Um, You've worked everywhere, haven't you? <laughs> I've, I've, anywhere that would have me. But um, uh, Ian Wright worked with us for a while. Uh, yeah. Really, really good bloke. And he'd come out with us sometimes after, after the show and, and it was just chaos, like, people... people I've spared uh, with Ian Wright. Have you? What was he like? Yeah, he was good. But, we all know, we all know, yeah, Ian, a good friend of ours, Tony, they boxed the charity match, so he's a trainer, my mate, Harry Holland, who was here earlier, you know, used to be a promoter, his St John's got a boxing gym, and um, yeah, and, we tra- and we trained them up for their charity fight, referee as it goes, and I ended up on the floor somehow. But when you get someone who's really, I mean, he's really famous. Oh, it's horrible, and, it? yeah, of course. He just can't really go anywhere, and people aren't very polite, you know, they just kind of barge in and ask for photos, and I can understand why you wouldn't, why you wouldn't want that. On to a kind of different subject. How is it when you have to deal with criticism from fighters, when it's real criticism or something? You know, Prince Patel yeah. on Bonses, Bonses Boxing Hour, he was an excruciating watch. I don't quite know how you managed to get that through it. That wasn't an issue, that. That, wasn't, that really wasn't an issue. Like, the only thing that sat, the actual day didn't bother me because who is he? I don't mean who is he, like who is he famous? Like, what is he? Like, at the time, he was just a kid who, who I knew about him before. I, th- I think he thinks I said something about him and I don't think I did but if I did I'd never really slag anyone off publicly 
I'm a, I'm a, I'm a horrible man privately. <laughs> real, real little bitter man. Like, you know, I took every stereotype. But, yeah, but I didn't really criticise him that much, I don't think. I just said something like, when you act like that, you, you really do have to be able to fight, which he proved he can't up to this point. And um, so I, I thought, well, I don't care. You know, he's just trying to make a name for himself. I found it a little bit funny. You want to smack him? Of course you do. But what am I going to do? Like he's like he's he's my height or taller, which is not hard. But he's like like you know he's, what, he's skinny little rat and he to, to me. What am I going to do to him? Like beat him up, lose my job, or or worse, he beats me up and I still lose my job. <laughs> Which, whichever way it turns out, whichever it turns out, I lose my job. So you know I just so, and I probably wouldn't have as it gone because they got rid of him after that. But that don't bother me. It's when other fighters like I, I Ryan Wall. I don't, I don't want to call like. Ryan Walsh messaged me once about when he won the British title against um, Samir Minimum. Samir Minimum. That's the one. Oh, that's another one about commentary. What's it like with names? Oh, some of those names. It's great, I, isn't I, it? I just. I got a Russian gazer. We used to got to digress. We used to do these box nation shows, all these Russian fights, all these German shows, and so jo- I'd, I'd have to. I didn't hear the, the announcer say his name. So I've tried to pronounce it myself at home. I'm like, oh, I can't get that right. So John Rowland used to say the name. I had to wait for John to mention the name so I could say it, but I'd get it wrong. And he'd be tapping on his paper, like, you know, like going, that's the name, that's the name. He couldn't say it, but he'd be like telling me there's the name there. And I'd be tapping back going, I know I can fucking see what you've said. I can't say it. I can't say it. I can't pronounce it. Like, leave me alone. So i just sort of go... Yeah, and there's um, Ivan. <laughs> there's Ivan. To be honest, it's, it's, it's one of those things where I, I don't think it really matters that much. So long as one, you know, the lead commentator, that's my responsibility. Yeah. I have to get that right. So you long do, as yeah. what you're saying, they know who you're talking about, yeah. it doesn't really matter. You can use their first name if you want. You can kind of shorten it a bit if you want. You yeah. can say the Russian if you want. We actually go through some pronunciations in our talent meeting at Sky. Yeah. This, is, this, is, this, is com- this is comedy. We, Ed, Ed will that must be worse because you still can't get it right. Yeah, we'll, how are we calling this guy? Are we, and then you know, Ed will say, we're going with this and everyone will go, yeah, yeah, that's what we're going to stick to. So we're all Every, singing every, from the same hymn every, sheet. Everybody will nod sagely and then you know it's, like, it's a total lottery as to what will actually happen well because three quarters of you are Xboxes aren't you so it's like yeah but anyway yeah so Ryan Walsh so um, so when he when he won the world title I had a British title I had him losing it's close fight but I had him losing by two points and he was gutted because obviously and I understand that because his commentary then for his for his biggest win of his career at that point people don't people don't know what they're watching all they're going to go is what you say so they, there's this fight. Oh, watch me fight, win the British title. Yeah, but the guy go, you're losing. You were lucky there. I can understand that. Can I had it when I won the world title. Jim, I thought I lost. No, I think I won. No, everyone else had me winning massively. He thought I lost. No, I, I didn't like it. But, you know, it's you know, just the way he saw it. And to be honest, he probably done so many fights that he wasn't half watching the fight anyway. You know, you know what it's I, like. I think certainly as my role as a co-commentator, I've got a different respect, retrospectively, for yeah. Jim Watt or any of the guys that would have been scoring my fights at the time. Especially, to think, but, you know, the, you but, know your fights, but your fights, were, actually your fights would have been okay and hard because they would have been exciting, but some of the rounds would have been hard to score. Well, my fights, like I, I just think, oh, imagine, like if, I was, if I was boxing today, but I was still commentating, no, on, a, on, on me, because I was someone else, I'd be thinking, oh, here we go. It's guaranteed 12 rounds. It's going to be so boring because he's just going to do enough in every round. So he's going to make, he's going to win the round. He's going to make it hard for you. You know, he's right, you know that's how I used to box. I was like a like a miniature fury. wasn't as good. Just I just stop you doing what you did, and then I just do enough. 
That was my whole thing. That's all I box, the rare box. And then you know, if I had to, I'd dig in and have a go. But I didn't, that, that wasn't my style. I never had no aggression and whatever it is. But so I understand how frustrating the Haddock can be. And I understand Ryan Walsh's frustration. So he messaged me on Twitter privately, respectfully. And I said, sorry, it's just the way I saw it. And, and, and one of the judges had the same as me. And he came up with a good point was that judge was sat right next to you. So he can hear you. And I, and I you know he probably had a point, to be fair. Because the one just had it a bit wider than I did, but he can hear me, certainly John, he could hear, you know, raving about the guy. So I can understand that. But all, and, and I've had other fighters do it. Like recently saying, you know, I'd not want happy with your commentary. And no one's ever said, you know, you're, a, you know, you're just this and that. They just said, I want to be happy with it. And, and I've explained to them, you want to say, oh, I'll get stuffed. But you can't. You've got to go with this. Because it's their life. They, they can't help but take it personal. You know, it's not personal. And, uh, and they'd only hear the bad things, not the good things. And I'd go, no, I thought I was complimentary about you and how tough you were, but I still didn't think you were winning the rounds. And I'm sorry if you see it that way. And I'll usually say, but if you're not if you're not happy, you should speak to my boss and I'll give them the name of my boss who's above me because obviously they have a, a right to complain, but there's nothing to complain about, I don't think. And it's very few. I've only had like three. Yeah, I, I've never. I can't actually think of any fighters that have. Um, oh, you're so good. That's why. Me. Oh, no, 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 no. You're, so, you're so good. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you one. I'll, I'll tell you. I'll one. Tell you <laughs> <laughs> Hang on, he's going to tell us one. Tell us one. I've got a, a little uh, story. Not a fighter, but someone who um, I respect a lot. Yeah, uh, got a really good relationship with. Uh, worked with him, and uh, he, you know, he interviewed me for BBC on the ring canvas when I won the ABA. So I got back a long way with him. Uh, someone a good friend within boxing uh, Mike Costello yeah and when I did the Kovalev Ward fight the first time I had Ward winning the fight by a round and it was a very very close fight could have gone either yeah, way course, but a yeah. lot of people felt Kovalev won the fight so Mike sends me a direct message on Twitter saying Matt how did you score that fight you know you know and then you know, goes in how he scored the fight you know and HBO had it by four rounds and this person had it by five rounds and blah 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 and you know I thought it was very biased and I was, I was like whoa 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 Mike first of all there's no biasness there was no I didn't care who won cover level awards you know re- really there was no yeah. there was no interest in it at all I said I scored the fight as I seen the fight and by the way there's something like there's been a poll on Twitter where something like 600 and 30 people have voted and, you know, one more person has Ward winning than Kovalev. So I think to look at the wider picture of this, it was a close fight. That could have gone either way. It's whatever you prefer. And also, it, it's, and, it's, and easier, it. it's so, easier at home to sort of say, you know, cause when you're watching, especially a close, a close fight, I sort of tell people like who, who, who generally ask, I say, it's not a 12-round fight. It's 12 one-round fights. Yeah. So you literally, you got, like, you literally have to be like a computer and go, round one, boom, that's done. It's a 10-round must system, so yeah. it's 10-point must system. So and then, and then, the but it's not, day, even, it's, not the most rounds. it's not even Andy and Matt, Matt fighting. You fight the one round, boom, then it's two new contestants as far as you're concerned. There's another fight. One round, and, 12, and I say that's so you can have a very close fight that can be 12 nil. Yeah, yeah, totally. And it, it doesn't, it so, doesn't respect, so and it's a weird system, but how else? I don't think it can be any better than that. So people will go, how oh, could you score it? Like when they, people will, in a close fight when they lose, they'll focus on, how oh, can it be 170, 111? You go, well, you've just, not, you've just well, lost every round. I think the Campbell-Lomachenko fight was a perfect example yeah, yeah, of that. Yeah, he was massively competitive. Wide on the cards for Lomachenko, but it was a competitive yeah. fight. You know, yeah, we, we knew that Lomachenko was winning all the rounds, and he was well on top. But Lomachenko, uh, Luke Campbell certainly... Played his part in a great fight. And that's just the way, it's horrible to say. So I try and tell people, don't focus on the cards, on the actual card itself. Just focus if the right man's won. If you think the right man's won. And if it's a close fight, 
you know, I don't argue about who I thought won the fight or lost the fight. When it's a close fight, I don't sort of go, I had him winning, I think he's had, he had that done by. Because if it's close, if it's two points, three points even, that's a close fight. No, people think three points is a landslide, and it's not, it's still a close fight. No, if, if you, you, you can have, like a close fight for me could be 116, 112, either way, yeah. and, and anything in between. And if you get those cards, you'd think, you might not see the 116, 112 one way if you've got it the other way, but you, you can see it. You can, you can see how they've got there, and scorecards, it's, 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 it's that. But you've just nailed a few things that I always, I always try and, and make people understand, which is the 12, three-minute individual contest. Yeah. It doesn't matter what's happened in the previous round. You've bashed the no. shit out of me, and you think I'm going to get stopped in the next round, and then I do okay, but not well enough to win the round. You but, know, you don't but some journalists said that you, you should have some sort of... I, I get the, the wording right... So Moral responsibility of how the fight's going, maybe. You know, if you scored, I think, and I think that's no good. I think what I call the Mayweather syndrome, where if someone does better than what you expect, you end up giving him a round. Like, I think that maybe in Yard's case, because I mean, by, by the way, some fights, like um, I say the Yard fight, outside of Britain, no one thought he had a hope in hell. Because on paper, he never. And he did tremendously well. I never thought he had a hope in hell. And I thought he did tremendously well. Now, you're almost shocked how, how he ticked a lot of boxes, his chin, all the rest of the stuff. And you, so you tend to go, whoa, how competitive he was in that round. But, uh, but I, I know, so I can give him that round, but I still can't. Because I'm thinking, I, I, I've tried to train myself as best as I possibly can to go, he did really well, but just not enough. I remember John said in the seventh, which is probably the round he probably actually did win, maybe. And John Rawlings said, oh, it's a good round there for Yad. And I went, it was a great round for him. But I still don't think he did enough, John. And I can't be more honest than I can't know what, you can, what I could do. I'm literally betting against that own guy. By the way, Yad wins, I get another job. Because I'm only on five, five, five by five basis, by the way. If anyone's looking for work, I don't know, I'm looking into the microphone. I'm looking into the microphone. Anyone's looking for work. And yeah, I'll do anything. Stripper, anything you want. Make the tea. I, make, I, mean, I, used say, I used to say that about Box Nation. I just say, I'll make the tea if they pay me the same money. Unless you would do anything for work. But we, we got onto that via a roundabout route. But what I was going to say is that one fighter who comes up to me, not, not often, but who's happy to have a chat about things we've said about him, about his performances, is Craig Richards. And um, again, he does it the right way. He's, he, he's good-humoured about it. He's never angry or annoyed about it. But he'll say, oh, you're Macklin. You always give me a hard time with a smile on his face. But then he's got a point that he wants to make to me and he'll make it. Yeah. And I've got no problem with that no, at all. I'd I've happily, no problem with that at all. I'd listen, listen to anyone's opinion. And, I, and I'll listen with the view of trying to understand what they're saying. I won't be listening because I'm trying to think about what I'm going to say back to them to force, you know, I'm, maybe I'm wrong here. This guy's seen it a certain way. And I'm going to take that opinion on board. I'm going to process it, think about it. And then I'm going to answer where... I've no problem doing that with anyone, but it's it's when people just get on giving you shit. I, d- yeah. I just don't, I don't even I don't even block them. I just ignore them. I don't, I don't even, even, I don't even take their. I, I respect anyone's opinion, especially a boxer or a trainer, because it's not because they know more, but because it's their. It's more personal to them because they've been involved in 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 that that fight or the situation. So, but I don't take their criticism on board. I, I know that sounds weird because I stick my own opinion. So I don't watch any, so it sort of spoils the enjoyment of a fight. I don't watch any 24-7s, any build-ups to a fight, I don't watch them. Because they're all, they're all filmed to make you change your mind. And that's why, it's hype. That's what hype's not real. That's what they're so brilliant about it, so I don't watch them. Which is, I, I used to watch them after the fight, and now I don't even bother doing that anymore. But until so you miss out on some of the fun parts of it, but I don't want to see it. Because I have my, I've sort of made my, if I, make an, if I make a prediction, I've made my prediction, I don't want to change my mind. Because you see so many people, experts, change their minds as the fight gets closer. Well, that's fucking ridiculous. How can you, 
you had the great opinion that I think he's going to win because of this, and not because you've seen a couple of clips of this other guy training. Like, you know, yeah, what the fuck? You know, everyone trains, everyone's fit. You know, I don't know what you're on about. Interesting point he's made then. I'm going to go back to Mike Costello. Remember years ago we were in Las Vegas, and it was the Hatton Mayweather week, and 24-7 was a brilliant... They actually won an award. It was yeah. a, such a great program, uh, that particular one. And Mike Costello said to me afterwards, you know, after the morning after the fight, he said, you know, the amount of people whose opinion, because he was a big Mayweather fan and he just thought Mayweather was going to win easily. Yeah. And he said, the amount of people who, you know, have been around boxing a long time who changed their minds this week and picked Hatton is just unbelievable. He said it was like, and that is completely because they got carried away with all yeah. the hype I and the patriotism this, yeah. and everything. And it's easily done. I mean, of course. I, I've, I was with Hatton, I was in his corner, I wanted him to win, so I was swayed completely yeah. on emotion and, uh, you know, I thought he was going to win. But, you know, people that were kind of unemotionally involved, even them, that an experienced guys, a lot of them got swayed with the hype yeah. of the fight week. So you almost got to lock yourself away. But, so, but through all that, it's like you can just, like, you know, you can, and even you, Andy, you can explain to people. Like, I've worked, I've done proper, I don't know if you guys had real jobs, I've had real jobs since I retired. And before, I was, I was an electrician all throughout my career, by the way. I only, I only retired when I won the world title. That was the worst thing I did. Stopped working. The worst thing I ever did. So I've had real jobs. So I know what it's like to, to, to dig ditches and to work in building sites and to you know, be away from home working and do 12-hour shifts and all the rest of it, 15 hours, 16 sometimes. So this is just a walk in the park. It really, and and and, it's, and to be around, like to be passionate, be a passion, to do something you're passionate about, to be involved around, uh, in that, it's. Like, I I thought I was I thought I was finished in boxing for good. So I was just watching on telly now and again. Never told anyone I was a boxer. That we are in a cafe with a picture of, of me on the wall. I, I I put that up and it wasn't looking. But um, <laughs> no, but yeah, but you know, I I just I was done. You know, so to be around it now, I, like I, I I'm so lucky. I really am. I was lucky to win a world title. You know, you take, you take your chance. I took my chance. I was lucky to get a job here because there's people who are better, more qualified to do my job and maybe are better than me. I can't name anyone off the top of my head, but... <laughs> no, you know, that's no offence, man. <laughs> no, you know, you, you know you, I, and, I, and I feel that way. I feel, you know, how lucky am I, you know, because they just, you know, they just can pick up a, a, a big-name fighter, put him in put him ringside, and he does the job, and he does the job well. And But, yeah, so I was just being... I, I, I know how lucky I've been and, and I appreciate the job every second even though I moan about it constantly I appreciate it every second of every day Yo, I'm DK, co-host of the One Star Recruits podcast. My best friend Rip and I host five-star athletes, celebs, business leaders, comedians, and coaches from around the world. Each week, I can guarantee you the show will always have great laughs, catch up on life's in relatable ways, and have a ton of fun. We're recruiting you. We are the One Stars, which means we can ask the questions that no other podcast asks to guests like Joey Chestnut, Evander Holyfield, Bobby Hurley, Jenny Finch, Ryan Lochte, Montel Jordan, New guests every week, compelling interviews that you want to hear. Check us out wherever you get podcasts, One Star Recruits. I think one thing that, that I do find can be a bit harsh when, when it involves ex-pros is that the caption counts for 
maybe a bit too much sometimes. If you can say, Lennox Lewis can say, former three-time heavyweight champion of the world, former undisputed heavyweight champion of the world, and it doesn't get any bigger than that. Personally, yeah. I don't think he's a very good pundit because he just doesn't really follow boxing that closely. I would say that you two are much, much more informative than Lennox Lewis. I just think that caption sometimes counts yeah, course, for a bit yeah. too much. I don't know what, you, what your thoughts but, but, are on but that. It's fair, I also think it's fair, you know, I, I say about Sky, I, and it's, it's, it's sort of not, not a criticism, sort of half a criticism, half not, it's not really a criticism. When people moan about stuff, certain stuff about Sky, they only moan because, you know, you, you're a big company and that's how, that's how it is. And I go, but like, you've got to remember, Sky are trying to attract the everyday fan. They got the boxing fans. We're, we're sold. That's what you need Lennox Lewis for, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. We're so I'm watching Bo- I'm watching Sky. Whether whoever it is, I watch. No, I watch this 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 show in, in Italy. I watch the show. I watch it all. I tape it all. I tape it all like Box Nation. You know, look at that. That that, that revolutionised thing. We watch anything. No, you sort of get spoiled. No, no, I actually won't watch everything now because there's so much. But you know, you just watch boxing. You just love boxing. You just want to see it. So that that's so Sky would have a, the boxing fans going to watch it. Whatever anyone says, wherever the pundits are, Carl Frost gets all the crap in the world. He gets all the, you know, people have the right dig at him. And some of it's right and some of it's just over the top. But it doesn't matter to me what he says. It doesn't matter if they got, like, oh, Ronald McIntosh gets loads of stick, you know, and rightly so sometimes. Again, overboard, you know, some people like it, some people don't. On ITV, that is, of course. But I don't care what you're saying. I don't care what you're saying. I think you do very good as it goes. Not just because you're here, but I do. And, but it's irrelevant what you say. And I'll watch the fight anyway, even if I think you're rubbish. Because I work boxing, but so you're not selling it to me because you got me. I'm in your pocket. But yeah. look, the guy, the people who, who are at home who don't want to watch it or, or watch Anthony Joshua fights, then they want to see Lennox Lewis talk. They don't want to see some little baldy Welshman. Who is he? They, they don't, do they? Yeah, I think it comes down to uh, viewer recognition and, and credibility. That's and what I said, but I said it in a thousand words. <laughs> well, I was, yeah, I'm trying to get get it get to it a bit quicker. No, it's, it's, um, yeah, I think look, there's a bit, there's an element of viewer recognition, your profile, and, and and credibility. So you're saying you're you're the commentator, Andy, or the, you know you could be a presenter or whatever in boxing, and you're hosting or Anna's hosting it. So that's great. She's she's good at hosting it. But then when she comes to the expert opinion, so the viewer, the layman watching it will. Why am I listening to this guy? Well, he was British, European, Commonwealth, world champion, whatever. That gives him credibility, you know. And obviously, the the more famous, the bigger his profile, yeah, course, the, yeah. more, the more he's going to have, the, the more credible he's going to be, and also he's going to have that viewer recognition. But I think there's a there's a line, isn't there, where yeah, if you're Lennox Lewis or you're Roy Jones and you haven't stayed in touch with the sport, you're Roy Jones and you're Lennox Lewis, but you don't even know who you're talking about. You haven't been following the boxing for a long time, and you're so out of touch with it. You're not actually a good pundit. Well, a, qu- a quick example, like the the. Like David Hay. So they'll do a hit out in, out in the States for their social media, say it be me and Rawling. Right? So John didn't know what he's talking about and he'll ask me for my opinion. <laughs> no, but and, and it'll be it might be good, it might be great tea, it might be great stuff, and it'll get like ten thousand views. David Hay will sit there picking his nose or brushing his hair. No, and I'm not saying David David knows his sport, of course he does, but it doesn't matter what he says, David Hay. That'll get a million views straight away. Boom, 150,000, 200,000, whatever it gets, whatever the thing is, it, it, it trebles or, or more than 10 times what we all get because it's David Hay. Once you put that in front of the name, it goes bam, straight away you click. And, and Lennox Lewis, you know, we had him, he was, you know, we had him for, for the Fury fight, it's Lennox Lewis. So you people go, oh, Lennox Lewis. And you, wanna, you, know, and you advertise he's on your show and people will, will tune in weirdly just to see him there like because he is a, a legend of the sport and I said yeah of course this is where it goes but they've earned the right I don't begrudge them that they've earned the right because you know, they had the fantastic careers and, and 
and yeah, and then they should they should get the accolades, but the the money they ask for their fee is like my yearly fee. Yeah, and I suppose it comes down to to, <laughs> to compare it to football. Like, you know, t- you've got the likes of say a Thierry Henry, or he's probably not as good a pundit as a Gary Neville. You know, bit better player, more more famous, and yeah, all the rest of, course, of it. Yeah, but yeah. you know, Gary Neville's still credible. Yeah, but he's very very good at breaking it down, analysing it, and, and and explaining it. Well, I was worried first of all because. Like I'm glad I do the commentary now because I was worried they had me on Box Nation because you know, obviously, without sounding arrogant, I'm an incredibly good-looking guy, and I thought I was. I agree. I agree. Fucking laughing. I agree. Have you seen yourself? You know what I mean. <laughs> but anyway, oh well, it's, it's, but I thought I was just the eye candy, like you know, like the, the, the sexy freckled chocolate, like. And it turned out, by the chocolates, by the way, your wife makes chocolate, doesn't she? She does. Yeah. I'm a chocoholic. Oh, I should have brought some today. Yes, you should have. You I haven't. should have done. People ask me for it all the time. I send you my address. Uh, you do send me your address yeah. because you've, 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 you've made the effort today. You've, um, at short notice, you've arranged this pristine boxing yeah. venue for yeah. us. So I will do that. He, fini- do he that. finished work three hours ago, by the way. He's hiding, is he? <laughs> I was going to ask a question. Yeah, by all means. Okay, I get you. I get you. I get you. I, I'm great. I'm great in America because I'm a, I'm a basketball nut. I love basketball. It's my favorite sport, actually. Basketball, I, ironically, because I'm a midget, but I love basketball. <laughs> so, like, and I was, yeah, no. I was going to say, I bet you're good at doing them slam dunks. <laughs> <laughs> the question, anyway. The question, just in case people didn't quite hear it, the question was, um, how do you keep up with who who the camera pans to, particularly when you're doing foreign shows? So it's not your director. This is just an extra detail. So you won't be told who it is you're going to because we're all wearing headphones when we're doing these things and we've got somebody in our ear telling us what's next. So even if they point someone out ringside and you don't know who it is, they will tell you who it is. But if it's, a, if it's an overseas show, they won't. So they can pick anybody out. Uh, and actually, it's a good question that because sometimes it, is, yeah. it, can, be, it can be difficult. I was great, be I was really great in difficult. Russia because they had like a Troyanovsky and, um, and they had um, Gregory Drost and they had a fella called Alexandrov Alex, um, Alexander Alexandrov, who you wouldn't know. These are these Box Nation Thursday afternoon. No, shows, no, he was the guy. He was the guy who, when I when I won the world title and filmed my brain scan, he was the guy who won the title after me. And then that Aston Freitas who battered me, he was the tape I was given of Freitas. The only tape I had of Freitas like to watch him was him knocking out Alexandrov in two minutes and putting him out cold for five minutes. And that was the, so. I so I went up to him. And I actually went. And said, I said, "I box the same guy you box, but I went eight rounds <laughs> and took a proper hiding." Yeah, but then, yeah, but they were pointing them out in the crowd, and I, I actually knew it was, it was brilliant. But obviously, the American ones, it's mainly basketball players, so I'm pretty good with spotting them. But any TV or or anything like that, or, or any other sports, I'm I'm really poor. I don't really follow football too much. I'm a Cardiff City fan. I mean, there are there are other kind of little aspects, technical aspects to the job that people wouldn't necessarily be uh, be aware of, but we, we won't go into all of them. Um, it, it can be a little bit dry, so I think we probably kept you long enough. <laughs> but just to sum up, what would you what would you kind of say the 
the key ingredients are for, 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 for doing the job, but not just doing the job, but doing the job and, and kind of staying sane, if you like. I, I, I think you have to be honest with yourself. As much as you try, you practice certain things about you know, projecting your voice, slowing down, you're, you know, clearer with your words, and, and learning how to, how to you know, manage to score, remember to score a fight as well, as, as, as Matt already said, and, and also get your point across. No one went to shut up so your main commentator can do his job. All those things, I think, I think you have to be true to yourself. If you see, it, if you got it wrong, then that's just one of those things. You'll get it, as, as Matt already said, you'll get it right more than you get it wrong. I'm pretty sure of that. But I think chemistry is important, and, you, and, and that's just luck. Like me and John, got a, I, I got good chemistry with Alex Steeman. Because it's me, it's me. No, I have, and luckily, luckily, I got, I got good chemistry. Me and John got good chemistry, a couple of totally different characters. And you, you guys got good chemistry, and that's just luck. No, they put you together. Maybe they would have kept switching you, one of you, or both. Who knows? But you know, you you found you. Yeah, I, I think they try you out, and, and they see who works yeah. together well. You're yeah. right because you you are right. It, it, it's two people that kind of complement each other. Yeah, well, I got Richie Woodall's job really. Rich, Richie's a, 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 was being a pundit and the commentator, but me and John worked well together, and Richie was more than happy. You no, know, Richie's such a lovely guy that he stood. He, you know, he really didn't have to take a step aside. I was done. You know, I, got, I got Richie to thank. A lot of people to thank for my job with BT, and he's one of them because he could have said no. I want to do both still, and he would have kept him. But I think he, he realised that me and John, we did a show in. He couldn't do a show in in Montreal. The British was on this brilliant display against David Lemieux, and I think he said John and Barry are better together because we done all that, those years of Box Nation. There were so many fights. I've actually probably done more f- actual fights than any co-commentator in in UK maybe ever. I know. Glenn, Glenn McCrory and, and Jim Watt and, and massive long careers but I was doing you know, a, one sh- at least one show a week and maybe 10, show, 10 shows 10 fights a show some of them yeah absolutely crazy isn't absolutely. it Box Nation at its peak was just it was showing endless Something fights, else, it was fights it? Box right Nation center. changed my life really did just, oh, totally changed my life I got like, like you know, the, whatever they're doing now I don't know I don't really do any work for them anymore but I I got nothing but good things to say about it and also for the box it, you know, it helps Sky buy more stuff internationally I think internationally they were domestically they're always killing it but I mean you know, they've upped their game obviously the zone now is taking over and that's great for boxing fans we get to see some great stuff again but I mean you know, they weren't showing no international content and I think Box Nation were nicking all their stuff and having it all and I think they've seen that we had a market for it and yeah and, and better for boxing fans definitely I, I had a, like I said before I had a great time working at Box Nation it was, it was tremendous fun and just, just what you said about Richie there was just, just a good one to finish on is that there's no kind of sworn deadly rivalry between people who work at Sky and people who work at, at BT. No. We, we all know each other, whether it's ITV, Channel 5, Sky, BT, Radio. We all know each other and we all get on. But we're, we're all, all boxing fans, aren't we? You know, we're all boxers. The boxer, why have I got a rivalry, Matt? You see, you see at the Boxing Writers Awards or the, or the Board Awards, boxing really is just one big family, isn't it? and it's nice. And those those evenings, yeah. those events are great because everyone just mingles yeah. and has the crowd. But I don't mingle as, as a rule. I very much keep my. I, I, I stay in the background. I only say hello to people. I'd say hello, and I don't really go out. No, I, once I'm comfortable with people, I, I'm like I'm, I'm an idiot. But I mean, I won't come up to you guys. And go, oh, yeah, I, I, it's just not my way. You know, I'm not, I'm not that way. And it's not like an arrogance because who am I? I mean, I go to the table. You guys were bigger names, and better fighters than me, but I just not—I'm not built that way, you know. So I don't don't really—I never really mix with boxers either. So it's great for me because I never mix. I train by myself as a pro, really, most of my career. 
So I've sort of had a chance to mix with fighters. It's weird, isn't it? I mix with fighters now. Now I've retired. Now I get to mix with fighters, ex-fighters now, because I don't like to really deal with current fighters because of the, the job I do. And I don't want like, to have to slate somebody who's, who's, who I've had to, was friends with the other day. But yeah, so it's, it's fantastic. Like, it's, like, I can't say how much it's, it's changed my whole life and outlook on stuff. I look down at people now. <laughs> well, we'll leave it. We'll leave it there. It's been it's been great fun. This, and we we could definitely do another one of these because there's there's plenty of other things that go on behind the scenes that people will probably be quite curious about. So, thanks very much for for me up with us, Barry. We were we were always planning to do this. Um, so, and thanks again for providing these these facilities because we've been to some we've been to some places with with Macklin's tape, but none better than this. I can uh, so I can tell you it's authentic, isn't it? Great calf, great calf, Bunter's calf. Hamworth, Hounslow Road. Free breakfast if you say you watch, you listen to Macklin's take. <laughs> that would be great. That would be great. So thanks for listening, everybody, as usual. If you could spare the time to give us a rate uh, and a review on iTunes, it does, it does really help us if, uh, if you can do that. And we'll be back again soon. Get someone sneaking round a corner Could that someone be Mac the Knife There's a tugboat Down by the river, don't you know Where a cement bag Sports Social Podcast Network